Hi, and welcome to the third episode of Billiken and Beyond, a post-grad survival guide where we tackle and discuss the tough decisions that come with graduating college. From SLU senior to SLU grad, we'll cover it all, teaching you how to make the most of your undergraduate resources in order to succeed in your postgraduate lives. Here, firsthand from SLU faculty, alumni, students, and more, with tips and tricks on how to navigate the transition between college life and whatever path you may. We're today's hosts, Amy Tang, Matthew Kowalski, and Diana Kochevich, a group of St. Louis University communication students getting ready to graduate and conquer the subject along with you. In this episode, we'll be going over the basics of getting into graduate school, what you should do once in graduate school, and how do you best use that degree you worked hard to earn. Personally, I don't know too much about graduate school. It's something that my parents have always wanted me to do, but I don't really have a plan for that right now. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm kind of going through it right now myself, trying to figure out, you know, what my future is going to look like and is grad school a good option that I want to take or what exactly my next couple of years are going to look like. I never really thought about going to grad school, but um, as I've gotten into my junior year and talked to more people in administration, I've thought about considering um, applying. So we spoke with Corey Wagner, a career services counselor here at SLU, about who typically attends grad school and who doesn't. She offered a really interesting take. Take a look. Some people absolutely know what they want to do. Like they know what they, they know that they need this particular degree to make that happen. Um, but I don't think that's the case for everyone. I think a lot of students, it would benefit them to go out and do some work first to see what it is they actually want to do long-term and want to invest that additional money into. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, master's degrees aren't always going to be beneficial in terms of, I mean, yes, generally, I think I just read, it's like a $12,000 difference in your average earnings if you have a master's degree. But that's not, that's not something that's very easy to just say across the board. Like that's going to be industry-based. It's going to be depend on a lot of things. Um, the other thing that I would suggest for people, especially like juniors and seniors who are thinking about that as an option, a lot of places will pay for your master's, but they won't pay for it if you don't work for them yet. So waiting and seeing, you know, if that's going to be an option, a lot of businesses will do that. Like they'll pay for you to get your MBA. Um, it's less common in other fields, but not out of the question. So I think that's my sort of initial take on, you know, it's definitely the right fit for some, but definitely worth waiting to make sure it's the right fit for, for others. For sure. So what type of student would walk into your office that you would say, I'm not suggesting that you look into grad school? <laughs> sure. So, um, well, first of all, students, there are some fields that it's just hard to make a decent amount of money at all um, without a master's. Like the social sciences are really difficult. So like those would be students that almost always will need to get some level of a master's. Those students, even though I would still, if they're, if they're not sure what specialty they want to be in or whatever, I would still maybe say, go take a gap year, like do a year of service, like take some more time to figure out what you want to invest in. Um, so those would be the students that I know that they're going to do grad school down the road. It's just a matter of, are they ready for that yet? Um, business students, I would not necessarily recommend right away because it may not be necessary. Um, and on the flip side, they may be able to have it paid for. Um, 
industries like education, I would not recommend that a student go off and get a master's immediately because those school districts are less likely to hire you if they have to pay you more immediately. Right. So like, those are some examples of students that I would wait, you know, things like, you know, engineering. um, A lot of those students tend to go right into like grad programs. I think that's like a 50, 50, mix of like, is that, does that make sense to you versus should you wait? I know that education majors, for example, is a definite, you know, you get your master's degree and it's going to be much harder to get a job if you get it right outside of of college. Have you found that there are other groups of people that are like that, where it like getting your master's degree significantly decreases your job likelihood? I have not experienced that. Um, so I've been in career services, for 13 years or so. And I would say that there's not, not another group that I would apply that general rule to. Um, but I do think that if you're thinking about like financial investment, then waiting until you are sure you're not going to end up in a, in an initial job that would pay for that for you would be my determining factor. And I don't, I don't know. It's very, that would be like an individual case kind of situation. Um, so I don't, I don't, that's a really good question. I don't have a good answer. I mean, as many students as I worked with, like I couldn't really tell you um, across the board what that would look like. I will say it's more that there are certain, so the flip side of your question, I think would be, there are more students that I talk to that I, that I say, well, you're going to need to have that to be able to work in your field. Um, so that was really interesting to hear. I had no idea that some businesses paid you to get your master's, so that might be a game changer if you're considering going to grad school. Next, we'll hear some advice from Corey Washington and Jennifer O's. Both are coordinators for the graduate department on campus. First, we'll hear some general tips from Corey. So here at SLU, um, we leave it up to the programs to decide what they want their admission partners to be there because there's not just like an overall like this is an admission partners that apply to SLU. Now looking at you know some of the common things so yeah you would need to provide your transcripts. Um, now before COVID we only accepted official transcripts which means that the transcript could not be provided by the applicant and it must be provided directly by the university um, either through the means of mail and a sealed in an envelope sealed by the university or through a online third-party system such as like parchment or um, the national student clearinghouse but because of covid there were so many issues with students um getting their transcripts to us that we decided to open it up for them to upload an unofficial copy which can be used for the initial review of their application so for most programs that's what's going on but there are still some programs so like that programs that apply to those third-party services outside of our application system they'll still need to apply with official transcripts um but if they apply directly through so they don't need to do that so that's one change that happened um um, most programs require you know either from one to three letters of recommendation um, some programs would, you know, encourage students to look at getting an academic reference as well as a professional reference um, to, you know, it's a better way to get to know the student outside what they provide on their application. Um, but like I said, that some programs require one, some programs require three, will vary by program. Um, most programs require like a resume or a CV and then um, either a professional or personal goal save, which on those applications, those programs do provide prompts 
But the reason why they asked for those statements is just a better way to, once again, get to know the student outside of what they've already provided on their application, what they already provided on their resume, what they can see in their educational history, just a way for the department to see, you know, is this student going to be a good fit for us and know what are their goals and how can this program help, you know, get to their goals. Um, now, not every program, you know, requires a GRE, the GMAT, tests like that. Um, for a lot of our folks, I will say, you know, over the last year and a half, they have moved to what we call like a test optional, where it's not required for admission consideration, but students can still provide those scores if necessary, but it's not necessary for admission consideration. Um, but yeah, once again, it just kind of varies by program, you know, of what's going to be required for the consideration of admission. Fall semester of one's senior year, if you're going to graduate school right, right after undergrad, um, but the timeline being that uh, applications are typically due for graduate school in the College of Arts and Sciences and similar programs in December and January, February, at the very latest would be March. And I don't see many March deadlines, usually by the end of February, um, applications are due. And so beginning first semester of one senior year or the semester, you know, um, the fall semester before you want to go to graduate school, a person would start gathering letters of recommendation, uh, contacting individuals um, for those. If the GRE is required, that's when um, you want to make sure that that is taken um, early in the fall semester. And in the fall, typically are national conferences in a, in a discipline. And for those who are thinking about a doctoral program, it's about, you know, after a master's program, but even those interested in a um, master's programs um, are recommended to go to those conferences in the fall. And at those conferences, scholars in the field to present their research and sometimes their graduate um, school open houses at conferences. And in fact, in regional conferences, um, the Central States Conference for the Discipline of Communication, that occurs in the spring. And so if you already know that you're thinking about going to graduate school, uh, there's a graduate open house at the Central States uh, Convention in the spring. And then our national convention is in the fall. And at those conferences, people will um, be you know, look for the names of professors at the schools that they're interested in um, and to go and visit their presentations and get in contact with them if possible. If someone's not able to go to the conference, it's um, a, always a good idea to reach out to professors in the programs that a person is interested in and just make, make connections with them so that they know who you are. And when the applications come in, especially if they pass over the desk of the people that you meet, then they have, again, a, a face to go with uh, a name on the application. And so that's the smartest way. And not everyone at the master's level is quite there. By the PhD level, you definitely want to be able to network with, um, with people in PhD programs, but with master's programs, it's not always as common. Um, and then applications are submitted. Um, again, our deadline is typically January 31st or February 15th. We did extend it um, during COVID because we knew that a lot of people would be, um, you know, <laughs> getting everything together because it was a strange time. Uh, but those applications usually require three letter letters of reference and then a personal statement. And it's always a good idea to have um, someone look over your personal statement before you turn it in. And programs are really looking for, it's, it's a writing sample, but also is, are you a good fit for the program? And of course at SLU, 
part of our mission is uh, social justice oriented. You know, in our department that um, we're committed to ethics and integrity, and we really look for candidates who are strong writers and can be a strong part of our learning community with regard to mission. That doesn't mean you have to have a social justice angle with your research, but are committed and to the appreciation of it. So applying sounds like a lengthy process, but is going to grad school a lot more work or is it just more of the same of what we experience in our undergrad? Let's hear from Corey Wagner and Jennifer about maximizing your time in grad school and how to take advantage of the program. I encourage people though to, to make sure that they know what they're getting into and know what they're getting out of it. It's not always that there's a clear cut, you know, you don't go on for a master's in communication or even in engineering or, or biology with this clear cut, here's the exact job I'm gonna get, but you're gonna figure out what kind of job you want and how to get there. If you get through a master's program, you know how to learn and you know how to teach yourself how to do something. It's always easy to talk about yourself when you're talking about these. So for me, um, what was really helpful, and I guess this is, I didn't mention this yet. So think about ways that you can, within that master's program, also um, tailor yourself into like a specialty that maybe less people can offer an employer. So for example, when I was in that grad program and I was taking and teaching that career development course, I, for some of my internship credits, I, I volunteered basically and to knock off some of those credits by teaching more of those classes. And because of that, I earned myself like a year and a half worth of relevant experience in that field. And that was a huge part of why I ever got my first job was because I had specific real life experience in the industry I wanted to work in and skills and knowledge related to that. So, so same thing would go like for a computer science person who's very much interested in um, web design and they now have a master's in, you know, whatever that something related to that, they could go in an interview and say, you know, not only do I have a master's in computer science, but I've got, you know, I've had these additional experiences on the side doing web design, which is, you know, a component of what that job is looking for. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that'll, that'll make sense. So do you find now on the tail end of things, do you find that most people are able to take advantage of that? Take advantage of? Take like, advantage of their degree. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think by the time, you know, by the time you're, you start and sort of commit to in our, by the end of a grad program, you do have usually a good sense of what you want to do with that. And then because you've probably had some experiences along the way that have helped you think like, yes, absolutely. This is what I want to do or no, I definitely don't want to do that part. So you can kind of keep narrowing yourself into like a specific like niche, I guess is what you'd probably call that. Um, so that you are more marketable for that particular skill set. The other thing you can do, um, and this goes a little bit more into like resume development, but really thinking when you create those application documents, how are you going to tailor those the best you can for each role that you're applying for or each type of role. So like I had, for, for example, when I was applying for jobs, I had, this was after my master's, I had experience with substance abuse counseling and I had experience with career counseling. And I had two different versions of my resume that allowed me to highlight the things related to each of those categories. So similarly, you know, in any other industry, if there's things that you've kind of specialized in, you want to put that as close to the top of that resume as possible so that they're seeing that. Uh, and that's what's going to set you apart from other people. That was really informative. 
Let's hear some final thoughts and advice from Corey Wagner and Corey Washington, once again on how to use your graduate degree to find a job, as well as some extra advice for current students who are considering this route. So my biggest advice to students is, yes, your academics do play a significant role in terms of what programs look at, but specifically here at SLU, you know, just because, you know, based on the Jesuit guys and principals, they will look at the student's application holistically. So taking into consideration every single thing that they provide on the application for into consideration. So that's why, you know, going back to that personal and professional goal statement, it's very important that, you know, students are doing things outside of the academics as well, just because once again, that's something that SLU really does value, you know, thinking of the, uh, the term I believe is curve personalis, which means a whole person. Um, so that is something that, you know, our departments really want to look at as a whole person. So what is this individual doing inside the classroom and also outside the classroom, you know, to supplement, you know, what they're doing in the class. Um, so they will, you know, take into consideration, like I said, everything that they provide. So just making sure that students are, once again, yes, focusing on your academics, but also getting some exposure and some experience outside of your class that, you know, you're taking those, you know, competencies and things you learn in classes and applying it to some practical role things. And I think one of the biggest things is making sure that you um, know how to negotiate that difference. So like if you're interviewing for a job and you're offered a job, how to talk about um, why you might be worth more money. And part of that would come from talking about additional skills you gained in grad school, but also, also, I mean, a lot of those grad programs are going to have required or highly suggested pretty in-depth like internships or other hands-on opportunities. So making sure when you're in those experiences in your grad program, that you're really keeping a good track of like, what are the skills you're developing? What are those like technical program skills, whatever would make sense for your industry? Like, what do those look like? And how, what stories do you have that you could share in an interview about how you've used those? So whether you've already decided on heading to grad school, post-college, or if you're still trying to figure it out, We hope that our podcast helped give you some insight on this pathway as you're navigating the last year or two at SLU. Keep listening on for the next episode on how to transition your major to the job market.